much more to say about her, but that's what we'll say for now. Uh, she's an awesome, awesome foster care advocate. That's how I know her. Um, and a volunteer for so many things, not just the national assistant of adult survivors of child abuse, but also, um, many other things. Uh, and she's a woman of faith. So please welcome Kathy Jones. Thank you very much for joining us on, on the town. We're happy to have you. Yes, so we're so we're very excited. Uh, so, so your book. Um, now, did you have a copy of your book to hold up? So that way, I do. okay. So while you do that, yes, hold this right. That's perfect. So everybody can see um, her. The title of her book is Foster Cat, Foster Kid. God says you don't have to eat dirt anymore, and it's available. Right in front of my face there you go. Read the title first. That's right, and you can. Yeah, that's right, and you can. Um, you can definitely uh, pick it up on Amazon. So, Kathy, uh, where do we start? I'm, um, I'm trying to get a live video here as we speak. Um, hi, you're listening to On the Town. We're going live here so that other people can view. Um, so, um, basically, I would like to know more about the book. It's very interesting. It's very helpful for saving and changing lives. And I'd like to see, you know, you know, for people to understand why they need to purchase this book, but also how hearing other, you know, people speak, victims speak, foster youth speak, um, it really gives you a sense of compassion. And then when you encounter a foster youth or someone that was in care or someone that was abused or whatever it is, now you have the tools to work with them or help them out. So that's why I wanted to have you on the show, because I feel like this is another tool for people that, that we need to know. Mm -hmm. um, I was in foster care probably between five to six years mm -hmm. in and out mm -hmm. of care. I was in and out of group, a group home in New Mexico mm -hmm. and a group home in California and then put into a regular uh, family foster care home for about a year, mm -hmm. mainly due to my mother being mentally ill. Mm -hmm. I was also abused but wasn't put into foster care um, I was abused by my father, my biological father, mm -hmm. but I never told anybody okay. about that abuse. Okay. So the only, back in the 50s, it was kind of um, a, a norm for women to be the, the people that, the women took care of the children. Mm -hmm. And so my, my father did not want to take care of us when my mother ended up in a mental institution, so we ended up in foster care. Okay. So... Um, and then again, most of my, most of my abuse, physical, sexual, mental, verbal, um, emotional was done by, I had three abusers. Mm -hmm. My, the main one I speak about in my book mm -hmm. was my father. Okay. And he was, he ended up being, he had what they now call post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. He had what they call shell shock back then after okay. his military service. Mm -hmm. And so he came back a different person okay. after his military service. So he wasn't that way when my mother had married him. Mm -hmm. After he got back from the service, he was a different person. Okay. So those experiences 
had changed him, unfortunately. So it sounds and, like... Uh, um, so we moved here to California mm -hmm. after my mother divorced him, and she suffered a horrible abuse at his hands as well, really, mm -hmm. really bad abuse. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, with the help of some family members, she was able to get away from him, and we came here to California, mm -hmm. and we, I kind of had our grand, we stayed with my grandmother for a while, and then kind of in and out of foster care while my mother was, uh, well, what happened was I had actually confessed to my mother about my abuse from my father when we got here to California because I felt far enough away from my abusers mm -hmm. because I was longer in New Mexico. So when I made that confession, you know, I was around 13 years old and you don't, there's no critical thinking for a teenager. No. And I didn't realize the effect it was going to have on my mother and it ended up sending her into a mental institution. She oh. felt very, well, thankfully she believed me. Mm -hmm. Right. That's very big. Yeah. I was, it was huge that she believed me, but then she felt bad that she didn't protect me. She right. felt guilty. Right. That she didn't. So then, of course, when we we ended up in foster care, mm -hmm. my um, sister and I, and I ended up feeling guilty that my sister was in care because of me, because of my big mouth and that I couldn't keep my secrets to myself. And yeah, but, but isn't that, isn't that, that's the thing, because, um, you know, I don't know if you know, I was sexually abused in foster care. And um, one of the biggest um, things, and it's never a mistake, because as we both know as victims, it's, there's no right or wrong in this. If you don't tell, you're not bad. If you do tell, you're not bad. It's, I just like telling for one reason. Then you save thousands of people's lives that go on after you. If no one knows, if no one has no clue and, and it's okay if you can't, because some people, it is so traumatic. And, and even for me, I never told nobody except for one person, my whole life, my whole child, you know, childhood life. Uh, when I got older, I started realizing through therapy that, no, you need to release this. You need to get this out. You got to stop hiding him and them. There was two. I had two abusers. You got to stop hiding them. And, um, and that's when I started my real work. And, 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 and I, I don't feel bad, um, for the times I couldn't, because I was just trying to stay alive, you know? And so I didn't think of the other things like, oh my God, it wasn't until I got older and had kids. I said, if I don't tell then some other kid goes to that house and it happens to them. And then another kid and, and a guy, um, here in our town, actually, he was, um, a retired police chief or something. I don't know. He did the soccer team. Uh, I think his name is Peters or something, but he retired and, um, and, um, or something. I don't know if he retired, but whatever happened, they found out he had molested over allegedly molested over 250 boys in this area. Yeah. And, uh, and I, it explained why so many, the drug use was so rampant in this area with kids who had, I thought had loving homes. Um, but 250 and you know why 250, you know why the priest has thousands because no one ever says anything and they feel dirty. They feel bad. Um, and not telling creates more victims. I say, because not by us, not by the victim, the person that was victimized, but just, it doesn't help because the, 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 the um, abuser is always, 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 when it comes to children, if someone abuses a child sexually or even physically, I, and I, especially sexually, you always have another victim. I don't care what anybody says. I've worked with people in that, that, that arena and I've never seen one that had just one, you know, that would be a case of like, I don't even know what that case would be that I don't even know what that would be. But if you can hurt a three-year-old child, a four-year-old child, two-year-old child, the five, there's no way you cannot tell me that you only have one victim. 
And so that's why telling, and I want our viewers to know why telling is important. Even if you don't go directly and say, listen, this happened to me at 1755. And, and, you know, even if you don't do that, even if you write an anonymous note and send it to the DA's office, or you write it to the school or to the doctor's office or somewhere so that somebody's tracking, Hmm. Why is it every kid in this person's custody is turning out screwed up? Something's wrong with this picture. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you. Similar. Our stories are very similar. I yes. really didn't didn't say uh, other than telling my mother and my grandmother uh, mm-hmm. and my aunt at the time that we moved here when mm-hmm. I was thirteen. Mm-hmm. I pretty much didn't let it go, and I really didn't start healing until my about my thirties. You know, when I had a family. Right. That's. And I, Absolutely. And again, you know, in my 20s, I was just trying to survive. I was just, you know, I had been in foster care, had been verbally and mentally and emotionally abused in foster care, but not physically or sexually, thankfully. And, um, but that was enough to make you feel worthless and make you, with the sexual abuse that I had with the other three abusers I had, Right. Of a good man, like in choosing bad men, of right. men who abuse me, which yes. tends to be something that happens. Yes, that's a part of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and so I had, had ended up with um, an abusive ex, yeah. who's my ex now. But yeah. Thankfully, I have a wonderful husband that I've been married to over 38 years yes. now, and we're, we've been so happy, and I'm just very blessed in that yeah. sense of the word. Yes. And now, did you have it? Did did you ever have any kids? I I have a biological child. Oh. Just put it that way. I have three three children. Three. Okay. And raised three children. Oh, fabulous! And see, you know that that's a beautiful thing that we're able to go on and love and be loved after such a you know trauma. Um, that's so important. But I find, did you do a lot of um therapy like I did? Okay, nice. And I was, my, you have to understand that my mother mm-hmm. told me when I was about 12, when she was getting ready to divorce my father, because mm-hmm. she was afraid he was going to use this against her mm-hmm. in the custody settle, mm-hmm. settlement, that she confessed to me that she was going to abort me with a pencil. Oh, God. What? And what had happened was she had gone to a park to contemplate aborting me, and there happened to Mm-hmm. We sat down and talked to her and witnessed to her about the Lord. And my mother accepted the Lord that day, became an actual Christian, and decided not to abort me. So mm. from the time I was born, my mother learned about God, mm-hmm. and she taught me about the Lord. So I had a very steadfast faith from my mother. My mother was the one that took us to church. We would walk and go to a friend's house who had church. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking the, the 60s, you know, or she would take me to all different 
kinds of churches. We 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 would just go to all different kinds: Pentecostal churches, right? Baptist, Catholic, you name it. She just wanted to make sure that that I knew that God was always with me, right? And so I ended up abandoning God when I was about nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, when all of my friends, I had gone into, I had gone to church mm-hmm. um, after we had been reunited with my mother after foster care Mm -hmm. and she was newly also it was a really tough um teenage time for me as i was going through high school because she was always trying to commit suicide she felt she wasn't worthy she felt uh, she felt like a drug addict because she had to take drugs for her mental illness yes and she probably you know she i don't know if she got to share with you but she probably suffered abuse as a child as well oh she did yeah she did and usually we attract those same types of people unless we make a note of it and start cleaning it up, you know? My father was horribly abusive to her. And not only that, she had seen her own father kill himself. Oh, yeah. She had witnessed him kill himself when she was a child. So oh, she already fine. had some trauma. Yeah, that's devastating. And so, yeah, that was really rough for her. So, anyway, we, you know, thankfully... I did grow up with faith, so when I went to the 12-step program, mm-hmm. my faith was very instrumental mm-hmm. in me learning how to uh, do the 12 steps, mm-hmm. which were very important to me to learn right. all the 12 steps, and eventually to learn how to forgive, mm-hmm. not forget, right. not forget, right. but forgive mm-hmm. my abusers, and really not even so much for their sake as it was for my sake and mm-hmm. also because of my faith that Jesus had forgiven me my many sins because I had abandoned God yeah. from age 19 until in my 30s. Right, right. Because an incident had, had happened in the book, you'll see, an incident had happened in the church mm-hmm. which caused me to abandon my faith. I wasn't meaning to abandon God, right. but something right. happened and it ended up happening where I went the whole opposite direction. Yeah. So the Lord had forgiven me a lot of my many sins. I am <laughs> a totally different person than I was back then. Right. So, and that's fine. What? Well, you, um, what I wanted to know more about um, is the in the book about your cat, Good Boy. I yes. thought that was an interesting twist to the book, um, how animals help yes. us sometimes through through trauma. Yes, and and when I was in foster care, animals and and even at home, mm-hmm. our pets mm-hmm. and animals have always been my solace. Yes. I could never really trust any adults right. to tell my secrets to. Um, and so I would tell my secrets to my pets, to mm-hmm. my animals, mm-hmm. cats, cats especially. You know, my mother was a cat lover, and I think she passed that on to me. But we also, in foster care, I had we had a Saint, beautiful big St. Bernard at, mm-hmm. at one of our group homes. And nice. I had a chicken one time, too. A chicken? The chicken story didn't end up very well, but you'll see in the book. Yeah. But what happened was... Um, my, so I've always been a cat lover, mm-hmm. and my husband has not. He mm-hmm. hated cats. Okay. He never really cared much for cats. Okay. But there was this cat at his job back in 2009 mm-hmm. that he finally got the story. He had seen some butchers feeding this mangy old cat, mm-hmm. and he he didn't understand what the it, the cat limped. It was it was a white cat, but it looked almost 
something else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I never quite understood that like what happened to them for them to get it. Because he's not used to 
I mean, he didn't get a lot of food when he was at his, his, um, the previous the, place. The right. Right. So he's always ravenous, but he kept flipping his head to this window, mm -hmm. and I couldn't hear anything. It was a, an April mm -hmm. night, and it was a little rainy, mm -hmm. and so I opened the window, mm -hmm. and I heard a chirping sound. Okay. So I thought it was maybe a bird mm -hmm. that was chirping at me. Mm -hmm. And so I went around the side of the house, and I smelled gas immediately. Oh, wow. Come to find out, we had a huge gas leak. And when we had the gas company over, they determined that we had a carbon monoxide leak in the house that had been closed up because it was raining. Mm. So had that cat not alerted me, I don't know if I'd be, we, any of us would, would be there. Right. Day. Wow. Right. Well, so anyway, mm -hmm. no, go ahead. no, that makes sense. Um, but what I, what I want to ask you was, um, you know, as, as a young person uh, who was dealing with all that stuff, when was your pivotal moment that, oh, I can actually get through this even though it's traumatizing? Like, what made you hold on? Because I want someone who may be going through that to be able to... Um... What, what, made me, what made me hold on? Yes, instead of just giving I, up. For me, mm -hmm. again, this mm -hmm. is for me, mm -hmm. it came down to the therapy. Right. Okay, mm -hmm. helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Both, of, I, I had therapy both for my mother's mental illness mm -hmm. and the 12-step program. I think therapy is really important to get the help that you need. Absolutely. Also, my faith was very important to me because I knew I wasn't alone. I felt, you know, for so long you feel alone. Yes. You feel like nobody cares. Absolutely. You feel worthless. You feel unworthy. Absolutely. You feel, you feel so many different horrible emotions. You feel sometimes you've been gaslighted. Yep. I was gaslighted a lot by by my father. Um, there just it all depends on the type of abuse that you suffered and and then you go I put myself into more abuse because I didn't know better because I felt that that was the only type of a guy that I deserved. So I right. ended up in a domestic violence situation as well. Right. Where See. I ended up with a beautiful black eye on my nineteenth birthday. Right. So, so I'm like no, right. you know, this, this, this isn't working. So by the time I had met my husband mm -hmm. and I decided I was going to get the help that I needed, I, 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 uh, my resolve, I think came because I did not want to make this a generational thing. I didn't right. want to pass this on to my kids exactly. to, to mess my family up. It was already, you know, I was already late enough yes. in healing as it was. Yes. And I just really wanted to make sure that I got myself healthy so that I, I never had a mother, a, a role model, mm -hmm. a, a motherly role model. My mother was mentally ill. I right. Was the one, I was reversed. Right. Reverse. I was taking care You were the caregiver. I was the caregiver right. for over 40 years. Yes. I, my sister and I both, we, we both tag team sometimes. Right. And it's difficult taking care of a mentally ill mother, oh. let me tell you. Oh, so I know. Right. Because no matter how sick she was, my mother, when she wasn't sick, was the most beautiful, wonderful person you'd ever want to know. I do not have bad feelings towards my mother at okay. all. Okay. She could not help getting sick. So I think that that's another thing that helped me hold on when mm -hmm. I knew one person in the world loved me unconditionally. Oh. One person, what I called her, my person was 
Jesus was spin on mm-hmm. because she loved the Lord so much. She taught me about the Lord. She was the epitome. You wouldn't want to talk politics with her. She couldn't understand it. She was mentally ill. But you talk to her about the Lord, and she would just go on and on about her faith and love and how the Lord would help you. And she she enacted that faith. She would, she didn't have much money, but she'd give a dollar out in, in, in a little birthday card to everybody mm-hmm. she knew anytime. She, and at the end, my sister and I were the ones writing the cards out for her when she could no longer do it herself. Mm-hmm. So she... But, but I remember when I was younger, she'd make pies and have my brother go take them to an elderly gentleman. Mm-hmm. She was the epitome of a, a, a person who has unconditional love. So she was also another one that kept me going, even though she was also what frustrated me so much and what made it difficult for me, too. Mm-hmm. So I, it was kind of a conundrum for me. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn to separate out her illness from her personhood. Oh, that's a, that's that's a miracle that you did that as a kid because most kids they don't even know how to do that. Yeah. Oh, in counseling, I was so grateful to have learned that lesson. Yes. Because I I was feeling so guilty when everybody would say what a wonderful mo- person my mother was, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting. You don't know what I just spent five hours in the ER with her because right. she overturned furniture over at somebody's house. Right. And that, but then I realized, no, no, this is not her personhood. This is her illness. Oh, and that was amazing. So you... Her illness. She could not help being ill. So I have, once I figured that out, mm-hmm. once I was able to separate that out, I could love her fully. See, that's that's end. that's very helpful advice because um, I've had people um, who dealt with uh, parents and they had to raise themselves who have mental illness. And that's a big thing more than we talk about. Um, I don't think a lot of people, because it may be embarrassing to some people, but I know people currently right now who deal with um, parents who left and never came back because of mental illness, or they're there and they're just mentally ill. And most people don't know how to deal with that. So they turn to drugs and they turn to other things or get out of the house real quick and real early. So that's really um, miraculous that you were able to to get that, that little piece right there that have compassion and like, okay, so this is wrong, but it's not because she's just mean, it's because of an illness, you know? Yeah. That's kind of how I felt. I felt like that about my mom. My mom was a heroin addict and I didn't, I never felt like, oh my God, what is she doing? I always felt like she's sick. She needs help. You know, she loves me, but she just doesn't know how, (laughs) you know? So yeah. So I, I I get that. I get that. And and some of us, mm-hmm. at least it was with me, to want to love my mother and my father, which is another reason why, you know, I, I tried to reconcile with my father. And I'm like, why would I even want to do that? He was so horrible to me. But if there's some sort of intrinsic need to want to reconcile with your biological, for me there was. Well, when he could not admit what he, what he did to me, he would not take responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. That's when I decided he's a toxic person in my life and I have to cut him out. Or, yeah. You know, at some point. Yeah, see, I couldn't forgive something like that. Yeah, I certain things I will never forgive, and I don't think any kid should be able to forgive a uh, father or mother that abuses them, especially sexually. I, I, I don't think, I think God will be okay with that. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and I don't begrudge anybody who can't forgive because I could not forgive 
for many years, and I totally understand the feelings behind it. Right. The, really, again, the reason I forgave was twofold. For yourself. I guess first and foremost because Jesus forgave me because I did go through a period where I smoked, drank more than I should. Oh, well, I don't consider that the same thing. Just to say, I don't consider that the same thing. You were doing those as byproducts of the past. Uh, so it wasn't like you woke up out of the crib. Right. You know? But I went into that, but I also, I, I was, like I say, I'm not, I was a whole different person back mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. than I am today. Well, it's good. It's a good thing you could do that. I, I, back to the Lord to do that. Well, it really took me coming back into what I call the fold mm-hmm. and for me to come to the realization, okay, you don't have to forget what he, what your father did to you. Right. And, and who can? You don't forget these things. No, no. Uh, you know, you just I, work through them. Faith for mm-hmm. me alone, and again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this for anybody else, mm-hmm. it's just anybody who might understand my faith. Right. You know, God does ask me to honor thy father and thy mother. And I'm like, well, God, how do I honor an evil man? How do you honor an evil man? Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So the only way I could figure out how to honor him was to figure out a way to forgive him. Yeah. So the way that I figured out to forgive him is, okay, well, Jesus forgave me and my sins are plenty. My Mm -hmm. sins are many. Right. And That's really good of you. Okay, so I'm not a perfect person. Mm -hmm. And also because if I didn't forgive him, I would continue to carry the hatred, the burden of all the negativity, all the negative feelings that I was feeling to him was making me the person. It was actually wounding my very soul. Oh, That's how I felt because Hmm. I was carrying this hatred. Mm this resentment, mm-hmm. this anger, everything, all those negative emotions all rolled up in one. Mm-hmm. I was carrying them, mm-hmm. and I couldn't let go. I couldn't let go, which meant I couldn't really be. I wanted to consider myself a loving, caring person, mm-hmm. but if I wasn't a loving, caring person unconditionally, I right. felt like I was kind of a fraud. I kind of felt like I'm not... If I can't really let this go, then am I really as loving and caring unconditionally as Jesus is towards me? Not really. I mean, then again. Well, I, I mean, every, I mean, we don't have much longer, but so I don't, I can't elaborate as long as I'd like to, but I will say with that, that, um, everybody has their own, um, way of dealing with it and that's okay. For me, I do not forgive, cannot forgive, uh, the two people that abused me. Um, as a young kid. Um, and, um, and I mean, I forgive enough to, they apologize. So I was able to take the apology, but after that, I'm not having tea and crumpets with you. We're not sitting down for dinner. We're not doing none of that because that's just not. And I, and I, and, and here's the thing. I had a priest and a rabbi and all these people tell me, you know, the God would want you to do this and God would want you to do that. So my mother was a minister, by the way, my foster mother. So I know everything about the Bible. I know the Bible inside out. No, but I'm just saying, I studied, I studied religion at NYU. I know about all the religions and I know that God does not want us to do anything that is hurtful to ourselves. So if I'm, if I'm saying I forgive the person and I forgive the basic general forgive, 
Um, but beyond that, and I'm mentally tormenting myself every time I see this person, that's not healthy and that's not godlike, in my opinion. So that's for me. But everybody's different and I commend I commend anybody that can. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh no, it's your journey. We can't. We have to love you even more because that that takes more guts to do that than it does to do like I'd say, I forgive you, but don't be in front of my face. <laughs> oh, see, I, I was blessed to get one. I got two. I was very blessed. Yeah, that's a mer that's a miracle. Okay, so, so yeah. But I still decided I would forgive and, yeah. and just really for more for me. Because I was tired of, of harboring all that anger and hatred. Absolutely. I, I, I don't consider myself a hateful person. And I, I just couldn't have that hate in my life. It was just for me wounding my own soul. Okay. Wounding, wounding me. It was hurting me. Okay. More Harriet okay. than it was to get rid of it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so, so, no, because I, and I have to wrap it up in a minute, but I will go ahead, mm -hmm. finish that sentence. Okay, the title came from, we finally got good boy out, right. he was able to eat, mm -hmm. um, regular food, and he would start eating the dirt when we got him outside, and I couldn't figure out, I always say, good boy, you don't have to eat the dirt anymore, mm -hmm. come to find out he was eating the dirt to get to the Mm -hmm. And I realized that his, as I, I had started writing the book only about the cat, it took me a whole year to write it. Mm -hmm. After that year, I had hired a publisher, was ready to go to print, mm -hmm. and I, I, it dawned on me how his experiences mirrored <clears throat> those of my abuse and my neglect. Mm -hmm. So I asked the publisher, do you mind if I take some more time? I, my book is not done. I have to write my own story. Okay. They, they said, fine, it took me two more years, mm -hmm. then I wrote it. So mm -hmm. it took me three years to write this well, that's great. For So for, let me just tell our viewers that are listening. So for you guys that are listening, thank you, first of all, for listening. Um, but we're talking to Catherine Jones, um, former foster youth advocate for foster care community. And she's the author of Foster Cat, Foster Kid. God says you don't have to eat dirt anymore. Um, this is a great book about um, her journey as a child who was abused by her father, um, but still made it out alive um, with a smile and with love in her heart. So um, I wanted her on because... Like so many of us go through this stuff, even then, even when you're not in foster care, I know people that I know who lived in beautiful, rich families and were being sexually abused by their father. So it doesn't just happen just to foster kids, just to poor kids, just to black kids. Like it does not discriminate like drugs. A sexual abuse does not discriminate. Um, you know, drugs don't discriminate. So, so I thought it was a good lesson for everybody because you never know when you're going to encounter a child that has been through something like abuse or even foster care. And if you have an idea or, or knowledge and you heard something about her book or you heard something about someone who, who lived through it and you heard some pointers, now you can advise them because you might be the only person that they have an encounter with. You know, so that's why for, for anybody listening, when you say, oh, what does it have to do with me? You never know what it has to do with you. That's it may right. be your, your kid's friend. It may be your best friend's daughter. It may be, it could be anybody. 
And so when you, if you, your, your words might inspire someone not to commit suicide or homicide, literally your words can totally flip their life around. So that's why I thought it was important for all of us to listen to this. Um, and Kathy, you are awesome. I love the work you're doing. Um, you're like my little Shiro. <laughs> uh, I love the work you're doing. And, um, I wish we had more time. It's only a half an hour show. Um, and so <clears throat> I will post this. Um, and I, anybody had questions, that's what I want. You can unmute, unmute your mic. If you have questions for Kathy, <clears throat> go ahead. <clears throat> Joe, do you have a question? Uh, yes, uh, Kathy, uh, do they sell the book on Amazon or eBay? <coughs> yeah, and right now it's free if you have Amazon Kindle Unlimited, it's mm -hmm. free mm -hmm. on, yes. if you have a Kindle Unlimited. Otherwise, yes, yes it's on Amazon, it's on BarnesandNoble.com, yes. it's on, at Walmart.com, yes. it's all over the place. And I'll write it up here for you, Joe, uh, so you can see the title, okay? Foster... Yep. And my author page, you can look on you can look under author Catherine with a K, K-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E -E, Jones on Facebook and you'll see a whole bunch of posts on my author page on Facebook. I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Can you guys hear me? Huh? You guys hear me? Yes, right. I, yes. Awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, I Yes. Anybody else have questions? Thank you so much. That was a great uh, uh, question. Where to get the book? Um, it's on Amazon, everybody. Um, and Catherine Jones is the title of the, um, is the author. Excuse me. The title of the book is Foster Cat, Foster Kid. God says you don't have to eat dirt anymore. Um, so you can get that there. If you forget where to go, just come to my page and I'll I'll lure you back to her. Oh, yeah. yeah. So no problem. Um, Betty, you don't have any questions for us? <laughs> yes. Um, hi. hi. I mean, I, I, I applaud you. You know, you're no longer a victim. You are definitely a survivor. Um, yes. And it seems like you had the ability to, uh, you know, to move on with your life. But was there any time that you had some form of closure where you confronted your father around this... Uh, type of, uh, of abuse? Mm -hmm. Yes, it, actually my husband was on the phone with me when mm -hmm. I tried to reconcile with my father. Mm -hmm. And he can attest to the fact, and he's even here with me now, but he can attest to the fact that my father absolutely refused to admit that he did anything wrong, mm -hmm. absolutely refused to apologize. Mm -hmm. And the reason that he did that was because I believe I was not ever raped by my father, but I was pretty much molested every other which way, okay? And I believe in his mind, he felt that because he never raped me, that he did, he was okay. okay. And also back in those days, and we're talking the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. um, he came from the South, and I don't know if this is just a South thing or if it was just a 50s thing, mm -hmm. But he believed that we children were his property. And yes. so he owned a us. lot of people. He, you know, it was like he could do whatever he wanted to because he owned us. So I did try to reconcile, and it did not go well, but I did try my best. And that's another reason why I don't feel guilt. Mm -hmm. 
or anger over it because I did feel that I tried. Right. I at least tried. Right. And I tried to get an apology. I tried to get all I wanted was an admission and an apology. And he could give me neither. Right. So I just felt, okay, that's it. And that, that was it. I, so that for me was closure. Right. That was all I needed right. was his reaction. Wow. And Thank you know, you. I, and I also realized that in a lot of situations, you know, it's so easy to blame yourself. Mm-hmm. I did. You know, I did. <laughs> yes, and, for years. Yeah. And, and sex, you know, any type of sexual violence, mm-hmm. violation, mm-hmm. is really about power and control. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It has nothing to do with Absolutely. sex. Absolutely. Yes, as a child. And it wasn't until I was watching an Oprah Winfrey show, to wow. be honest with you, mm-hmm. that um, I she had somebody on that show mm-hmm. who actually said the words, no child is ever responsible for what the dysfunctional adults did in their, their lives. Right, yes. Up. And once I heard that, a light bulb went off in my head, mm-hmm. and it was like freeing to me like you're right i was a child Mm -hmm. he was the dysfunctional adult he was the one that was supposed to be protecting me Mm -hmm. i wasn't at fault for so many years i felt i was at fault i must have done something to cause this i must have done something to make him want to do this and even for a long time i did i thought it was love i didn't know what love was supposed to be when you're a child and and my memory only goes back to age seven i don't remember much before the age of seven I didn't know what love was. Right. Well, that's how a father loves a child. Right. Right. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that's powerful stuff. Uh, We're going to have to have you back again one day, Kathy, because our time is up. And you know, Zoom, after 40 minutes, they kick you off. (laughs) So they tell us, you don't got to go home, but you got to leave here. So, um, so we... I just want to say one more time that is Catherine Jones. Uh, and please, if you get a chance to go out and get the book, uh, Foster Cat, Foster Kid, God Says You Don't Have to Eat Dirty More, Amazon. Um, and as you know, I'm your host, Tanya Cooper, and you've been watching On the Town with Tanya. Uh, Kathy, we thank you so much. And, and uh, Joe, Betty, Kirk, thank you very much for listening. I'm going to post it um, after I edit and post it back up on, uh, on, on Facebook uh, Live as a watch party.